This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. A top Republican wants to audit all state agencies to review diversity programs in Wisconsin. We discuss Assembly Speaker Robin Voss's latest move to try and eliminate DEI. Plus, a Republican-controlled committee approves pay raises for thousands of employees at the universities of Wisconsin. And Governor Evers is demanding the GOP-controlled legislature to release tens of millions of dollars to address harmful chemicals in drinking water. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for December 22nd. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. Jay, we're going to start this week with the latest effort by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss in curtailing diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Mm -hmm. This week, he sat down with several Capitol reporters to highlight a lot of his priorities for the next year, but he also teased earlier in the week that more cuts to DEI are on the way. And this is what we've learned, that he would like to have a comprehensive audit of diversity programs across all state agencies. And like I said, this is just him once again kind of pushing and moving the needle a little bit more after he reached this deal with the UW, um, which included eliminating DEI positions and initiatives on campus in exchange for giving uh, the campus uh, $800 million for a variety of things, pay raises and building projects. This is just the marker of the next fight. Uh, Now the question is, what will he find in state government? How will he push it? And then what will Governor Evers do? Obviously, Governor Evers wasn't thrilled about the deal that he struck with UW on DEI and everything else, uh, had opposed those efforts. What can Robin and Republicans do in the next budget to push things? So now, in theory, what Robin can do is set spending limits, set positions for agencies trying to cut the funding. Can Evers find a way around those cuts? That's going to be the big question. Oh, by the way, you have to make sure that Robin Voss is around in 2025 when the next budget is done to do this. Because don't forget, have an election next fall. Voss told me he plans to seek re-election, but Same. as we've talked before, There's a map to come out at some point from the state Supreme Court that could look very different for him, so what will happen, but that's a long story for some other time. But yeah, that's just the next next step in DEI. When UW Regents who oppose the deal raises concern like, what would be next? There's an indication of what's coming next from Robin Boss. Right. He said he wants to launch the audit in January, but kind of dive more deeper into the findings during the next legislative session until 2025 and 2026. So won't see any drastic changes. As we know, the legislature typically likes to wrap up around uh, March with their work. You know, they could always come back for a special Mm -hmm. session, but they like to clear house. And then this is likely going to be a a big initiative uh, for Robin Boss heading into 2025. Um, Also, what a big question is, you kind of hinted at this when I sat down and uh, talked to him about this. I said, are you going to use this negotiation tactic in the future? Just like how he did, he withheld funding from the UW system for six months. When the next budget cycle comes around, is maybe joint finance and him going to get together and say, well, you you haven't eliminated diversity, equity, inclusion uh, initiatives, so you're not going to get your um, X amount in the state budget. Uh, He said, well, you know, a lot, you know, a lot can be seen that's a really far in advance, but he didn't rule it out. So it is possible that he could use this uh, again. Um, speaking of those UW pay raises, we had a Republican-controlled committee uh, known as JOKER. They did approve pay raises for UW employees, about 35,000 of them. And this was kind of the first step in, in a much larger package of this agreement that Voss made with the UW system. Uh, those wage increases are 6%. Um, the workers will receive a 4% raise this year and another 2% 
in June. And the committee released this funding, like I said, after the UW Board of Regents voted last week to restructure one-third of DEI positions in part of a much broader package. Um, the next step, I think, you know, looking ahead, JR, is the other part of this package was funding for building projects, mm -hmm. but there's a lot more legislative steps that need to happen in order for the UW to get that money. About half of the deal is stuff that UW committed to do, about half is stuff that Robin committed legislature to do. Now remember, Robin committed legislature, not Robin and Devin Lemon, the Senate Majority Leader. So mm -hmm. there's one big question there. But in those packages are, are two bills. One deals with tuition reciprocity, so there's a difference when it costs to go to uh, Madison, for example, versus the University of Minnesota and Twin Cities. We get more money from Minnesota because of that difference. This bill would allow the system to keep more of that money uh, rather than going to the general fund. That's one bill uh, that has to be done. Another is about guaranteed admissions. Basically, if you were a high school kid in Wisconsin, you end up in the top 10% of your class, you are guaranteed admission to the University of Wisconsin. Now, for Madison's top 5%, Robin told me both bills have to be signed into law before the legislature goes ahead and passes any of the funding. That is the $32 million that uh, the Joint Finance Committee has that's withholding right now. They can release at any time. That's the bonding that is in this package. So he's waiting for that to happen, which means he has to have Tony Evers sign off on those bills before it gets done. Oh, by the way, we both know that with legislation, if there's spending in that bill, the governor can line out and veto it. So I would anticipate anything that goes through legislature to be a dual track, the money in one bill, the policy in another, and those policies, I'm going to guess, are going to include more oversight from Republicans about various things to keep an eye on that money. So that's what I'm watching. There's a deadline, though, end of February, which is where someone's going to wrap up to get these things done. The Senate, though, uh, Chris Capia has already tweeted that he's got major concerns about the funding, uh, the bonding. He voted against the pay raises in Joker this week. So where is the Senate on this entire thing? Oh, by the way, Democrats weren't thrilled with the package because of the concessions on DEI. Mm -hmm. So will Democrats, if there are, let's, let's just <coughs> pick a 15 Republican votes. All right, just pick a number. Will there be two Democrats who will come across and say, I'm going to support that money despite my reservations on DEI? Now, doesn't in fact impact DEI at all, right? That's the idea of embracing the deal. So be interesting to watch that dynamic in the Senate if and when we get there. And you brought up Senate President Capico because after his vote, uh, me and a few other reporters asked, well, why did you vote no? And he said, well, I want DEI completely mm -hmm. gone. Now, the vote was about pay raises, but it was almost in his stance of opposition to the package the UW Board of Regents uh, voted on. He also, and many other conservatives, like we heard from Voss, have called DEI in a form of indoctrination. Meanwhile, you have Democrats say that this is a really good part of the state that can welcome people here um, and it can help expand our workforce to have a diverse workforce. Um, let's first just kind of hear from uh, Speaker Voss and Senate Minority Leader Diane Hassebein kind of make those two points during the committee when they, these pay raises were approved. I have faith that legislative Republicans will begin a much-needed, long-term, in-depth review of every part of DEI and state government, be it in the Department of Corrections or the UW system, the tech colleges, or every part of state government. While you pursue this unpopular agenda, do not lose sight of the real-world impacts your policies have on the state of Wisconsin. The policies Republicans are advancing do not make this state as welcoming as it should be. Diversity, equity, inclusion is important. The action we are taking today should have been done months ago and should never have been used as a bargaining chip for this process. Now, beyond DEI, uh, there's a plenty of other priorities that we heard from Assembly Speaker Robin Voss about what he would like to get done in the new year. 
before they leave the legislative session, so closely end of February. Um, here's kind of what he, uh, he told reporters this week. He would like to have uh, a new tax cut proposal that would specifically focus on reducing uh, retirement income. Uh, he also said there would be another bill that would reintroduce uh, legalizing medical marijuana. And he floated uh, putting a referendum on the ballot that would allow voters to decide when abortion should be legal and illegal, I guess the weeks of what mm -hmm. point. Now, this was an idea. Let's start there. This was an idea uh, that was floated by Senator Ron Johnson uh, through the midterms. As we knew, abortion was a big motivating factor for Democrats. And this was kind of an idea tossed out there. And I could say, you know, it was almost a good response by Ron Johnson because there was a lot of Republicans that also struggled with the issue and then their beliefs um, from very of uh, the, the pro-life community. Uh, the, the reality, though, here with this, JR, is that it would have to be passed by both houses and signed by Governor Evers. And we already heard from the governor. Uh, he's very opposed to this idea. And, and I've also spoke to other Democrats who feel like this is just, you know, in a sense, Republicans trying to find a solution and see if it sticks. But in the end, it's not going to get through. So therefore, it's very unlikely this is going to be put on a ballot. So this process, which I've never seen used in Wisconsin, you pass a bill, governor signs it, referendum. Uh, Robin talked about 12 weeks, roughly, yes. being what he wanted to shoot for. That was the kind of the standard norm, he called, uh, worldwide. So in theory, you'd have this referendum and people would weigh in. It's not going to happen. Uh, one, the anti-abortion groups have already raised, kind of not really embraced this idea. Remember back in the spring, Robin Voss and Republicans proposed a bill to add exceptions to the 1849 law. Now, currently, that law does not apply to consensual abortions in Wisconsin, right, because of a Dane County judge's decision. But go back to March, we thought, okay, we have this 1849 ban. That's in place. What are we going to do? Robin talked about adding exceptions for rape and incest. Devin Lemonhue said, we're not taking that bill up. The anti-abortion groups were not in favor of the exceptions bill. Now we, or some of them weren't. Now we have this proposal. What I'm wondering is, will Republicans even embrace this idea, right? Or will they want to see what happens with the court first and that decision? Robin argued that the court's going to strike down the 1849 law. This is tighter than current state law, which is 20 weeks, which isn't being enforced right now. So this would be better. And the anti-abortion groups would rally around this. Maybe. Um, maybe, but we also know that governors will never sign it. So it's just basically a messaging thing for Republicans to try and say, hey, we're trying to find a way because if they can get away from whether abortion should be legal to when it should be legal, they feel like they're on better ground with voters than where they are right now. Robin also argued, you know, we often hear from the governor saying, uh, you know, all issues and all this, uh, we should go to the voters, let them decide. So he kind of said, well, we hear this all the time, you know, from the governor that we should do this. Um, but like you said, it's, it's very unlikely to happen. What, let's move on to the next topic of medical marijuana, um, because it appears it's going to be a very similar proposal that was introduced by Senator uh, Mary Falskowski, a Republican in the Senate, uh, that would be a little bit more restrictive in what would be allowed, um, who could get it, and what form. You know, when I asked uh, Robin about it, he didn't say it would be likely smokable uh, cannabis. It would be more pills, tinctures, um, and oils. And, you know, we in, we heard from Voss saying that he believes he can get it through his caucus, um, support his building for it, and also Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemayhew said he believes there is a path for this type of proposal to get through his chamber. Now, will we see that happen? That's what I think everyone is waiting for because uh, Voss has been talking about this for a very long time. He even said, I think, 
last January that a bill was coming. It never came forth. We had the first public hearing in 2022 on this bill, but it never made it out of committee. So there's always these indicators of, oh, we're closer, we're closer, we're closer. But it's almost some people that I talk to, and specifically Democrats, they're saying, well, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it when it comes to the floor. Robin first raised this, I think, seven years ago. He's open to viewing medical marijuana as an alternative to opioids. He ran into Scott Fitzgerald, then a Senate Majority Leader, saying, I'm not there. Then Devin Lemahieu was not there. Devin opened the door a crack about a year ago to this. So, yeah, you know, it's talking about it again. We've heard this before. So mm-hmm. let's see the actual bill. He pointed to the Minnesota system as an idea. There are about 43,000 people in Minnesota in this program right now. Um, you go through a process of dispensaries where you, you go to get it. Um, he said you could maybe vape it, but you wouldn't be able to smoke it, like you yeah. said. Some things like that. So, okay, we'll see. But there's also Governor Evers who wants full legalization. And many Democrats. Mm-hmm. So will they embrace this idea of a first step? Because Robin says legalization is off the table. It's a non-starter for him. But will Republicans rally around this bill? Will Democrats go with this as a, a first step when it comes to marijuana? And last thing uh, Voss said, come January, uh, Assembly Republicans will be introducing a tax cut uh, for a tax cut on retirement income. Uh, this was a proposal that was in a much larger, broader uh, tax cut plan. But it seems like he was talking to us about saying, well, I want it to be a little bit smaller, not such a big tax cut where it hits every income bracket. Start small because he believes he can reach consensus around this issue. Remains to be seen. I mean, there's still a $4 billion state surplus that lawmakers want to do something with. But it has been more over, it's been a, almost two years that they have been able to find an agreement on any tax cut plan. So it will be interesting to watch to see what happens there. Yes, I mean, uh, remember, the governor signed one small piece of the tax cut they put in the budget. Uh, we got another number, reminded us how much money we have this week. It's called the Generally Accepted Accounting Principles Gap. Uh, they pegged the surplus for 2022-2023 at $6.7 billion. Same ballpark as $7.1 billion of our, our normal budgeting standards. Just a reminder of how much money we have laying around Wisconsin. All right, moving on to our next topic is just keeping people in the loop on that abortion lawsuit that is challenging the 1849 law. This week, we heard from Sheboygan County District Attorney Joel Ormansky. He says he's now asking the state Supreme Court to hear his appeal directly after the Dane County judge's ruling that issued uh, abortions are now legal again here in Wisconsin. Ormansky said in a statement that he believes it's better for the state's high court to decide this issue, quote, immediately. And the move comes just days after Planned Parenthood reopened their Sheboygan clinic. So this now means the Sheboygan, Madison, and Milwaukee clinic are all now resuming services here in Wisconsin. So Ormansky began the appeal process rolling by going to the Dane County Court saying, I'm going to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals uh, in Waukesha to appeal this decision. Um, that was not a surprise to people I talked to because of the four judges on that court, three are pretty solid conservatives. So when you draw a three-judge panel, you're going to get a conservative majority no matter what. That second district court of appeals is a favorite for conservatives to have their appeals heard. But as he did that, he issued a statement saying, I'm also going to the Supreme Court to ask him to take it directly. Now, the court is not required to hear the case. We know it'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. The question is when. And what he's arguing is they should take this in a state decision immediately to provide clarity in the law in Wisconsin and what's going on. For Republicans, the faster it's resolved, maybe there's some relief from this issue because you have that 1849 law out there as this possible threat, essentially, about what it could be, depending on what the courts do. Um, so I'm watching, when does the court take this, the Supreme Court? 
when's an it decision come down and how does it play in November of 2024? Because it's been a very difficult issue for Republicans, ballot box, last couple cycles. It'll be interesting at the timing of that lawsuit for sure. All right, let's move on to topic four this week is related to PFAS funding. Uh, this week, Governor Evers demanded the GOP-controlled legislature to release $125 million of already approved funding to address PFAS contaminations. Now, this comes after the Department of Natural Resources did an analysis and it found that the PFAS standards approved earlier this year cannot be implemented without action by lawmakers. Yeah, so state law, it's called the RAINS Act. It basically says if a rule costs more than 10 million bucks every over a two-year period to implement, you can't do it without legislative approval. They did their analysis, found out this costs way more than $10 million. I think it was like $23 million more than the 10, so $33 million total. So he's saying, okay, I need you guys to pass a bill, implement this. Well, there's been a standoff between Evers and Republicans on where the standard should be, so that's going to be an issue. Uh, Eric Wimberger and Rob Coles, Republicans in Green Bay, uh, gave us a statement on Thursday saying that you know these guys are hypocritical, essentially, that Evers has been saying for his administration for a long time, we can do this rule, it's not a problem, and all of a sudden they're saying it's a problem. It just shows you that there's a bit of a disagreement on how to do things. Um, they've got their own bill that they've put out there about how to uh, address PFAS. The governor's not a big fan of that one. What I'm getting at is there's no agreement on the table. I don't know there's going to be one anytime soon. And so when that money's going to be released is a good question. Right, and uh, the funding would have to be approved by the Joint Finance Committee when mm -hmm. it would be released. Um, a lot of the funding would go towards things such as researching, researching excuse me, testing, drinking water, um, supportive disposal methods, a lot of the stuff that communities in need really have wanted for a very long time. But this is once again pushing this whole proposal, this package down the road, um, and it might be a while until they find an agreement on this. All right, sticking on the topic of DNR issues, uh, Republicans also raised concerns about the National Resources Board appointee, that is Todd Ames. And they argue that he, uh, or I should say they question his ability to be nonpartisan during a Senate hearing this week. Um, and those, raised, those concerns were raised by specifically the chairman, which is Rob uh, Staffholt. Uh, he cited a 2022 tweet from Ames that said the Republican Party and Fox News are, quote, filled with, I think you can read it right there, um, uh, and domestic terrorists and traitors. Got to keep a PG on the show here. That's yeah, a family show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, look, these are mean tweets again. All right. Uh, let's go back. We've talked about, like, the various Evers nominees who've been tripped up on things. Melissa Baldoff mm -hmm. appointed to Domestic Abuse Council. Um, she was kind of taken to task by another Republican for her tweets about Republicans. Ames kind of like said, I, I don't even know what that's about. Like, I don't really tweet. There are other tweets in there that, you know, Republicans have an issue with. Look, uh, this is going to be a problem for him. The question is how big. And are Republicans going to do the same thing with him that they did with Melissa Baldoff, which is shoot him down? Uh, remember, this is already replacement appointments for the DNR appointees that the Republicans shot down the Senate uh, this fall, right? Mm -hmm. For various reasons. A couple of them was because the Reigns Act we talked about. They had not committed to following that law when it comes to rules. Well, that's a big no-no with Republicans if you're not going to follow the law. So that's why they for those four got shot down. Here's a new set of four. Will they have a similar problem get through the Senate now? That remains to be seen, but Todd's the one who's got maybe the biggest problem 
of the four. Right, and you've brought up this before too. It's just a very different political temperature mm-hmm. right now when it comes to any cabinet secretaries or appointees, given that, yes, rightfully so, Republicans and who have controlled the legislature for a very long time, they have the power to vote these individuals down. But it's becoming more uh, partisan and political as if you say something wrong or there's something on your social media from 10 or even maybe 20 years ago, it could be brought back up and to haunt you. Look, uh, Todd used to be a deputy secretary at the DNR. He's qualified to serve on this board. Right. That raises the question, like with the Evers folks, did they not know about these tweets? Did that go back and do a background check on this to really ex- explore this weekend an issue because they had to have known this was going to be an issue. All right, let's move on uh, because the president was in our state again for the third time. He was in Milwaukee taking a visit, and he made a visit uh, to a black chambers of commerce, and he targeted his messages to specifically to black and Latino voters who traditionally support Democratic candidates in this battleground state, but he's been losing support uh, from those group of voters over the last few years. Um, Biden touted his administration's efforts to create more black and Latino-owned businesses and to support key infrastructure initiatives that we'd heard him talk about many, many times, um, such as replacing lead pipes uh, across the country, but also here in Wisconsin. Let's take a listen from a, a little bit of Biden's remarks on these issues and hearing from uh, how Republicans are responding to him being here. Across the country, wages for workers are up. Black wealth is a record up record 60% since the pandemic. The share of black people employed in Milwaukee in 2022 was the highest in more than a decade. But the investments aren't just about jobs. The investments are making offer opportunity, hope to communities. Milwaukee will be one of 22 communities in the country competing for tens of millions of dollars in federal grants to grow small businesses. I think it's important to recognize under the previous administration, we saw real wage growth increasing, and in particular for all key demographic groups, including black Americans. What we've seen coming out of the pandemic under the Biden administration is real wages falling and stagnant at best. Inflation is incredibly regressive. It impacts everybody, but it uniquely impacts low-income workers and seniors on fixed incomes. And so families that were struggling to get by before find it harder and harder to get by under the policies of President Biden. I mean, no surprise that Biden is, of course, the, now the third time here visiting the state. We've also had a few visits from VP uh, Kamala Harris. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. She'll be here um, in the new year, uh, just stressing the importance of having a presence here. Uh, but it's, it's always going to be criticized regardless of when, when whoever uh, big names come here. Third, third time this year, seventh time since he became president. Um, look, he also took a shot at Ron Johnson, his favorite Republican senator to, to go after. Took a shot at Donald Trump. Um, it's part of the focus on Wisconsin. There are, what, maybe four, five, six states are going to matter um, next fall. He's going to be here a lot. He has to be here. I mean, look at the numbers. I saw somebody this week talk about this is the worst polling environment for incumbent president a year out from re-election that they had ever seen. Mm-hmm. That is not good. Now, there's time to rebound. Um, there's some interesting things happening with the economy. I mean, we're hitting a record high with the stock market. Um, we've achieved a soft landing with the economy. There hasn't been a recession um, after COVID. Uh, all these kind of great things. All but these people warned about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But people are not feeling that because even though um, inflation is down, it's still, costs are still going up. So yeah, gas was 270 this week, right? Better than four, I'll That's say right. that. That's right. <laughs> all these yeah. good things. But when you were paying half as much for eggs three years ago, you're still paying twice as much. Even if inflation is down, you're mm-hmm. still paying more. And that is one of the problems for the Biden is how can you get through to people like, hey, 
things are getting better when they're saying, yeah, but I'm still spending more for groceries and for my kids' toys for Christmas. And one issue that they're trying to counter that is reproductive rights. Yep. Um, next month, we learned that Vice President Kamala Harris is going to be launching a reproductive rights tour, and it's going to begin right here in the battleground state. Her first stop will be on January 22nd. So this is, once again, another signal from the administration still wanting to drive this issue very, very strongly to voters. But you pointed out earlier in the show, Jared, which is a really good point, that it really kind of depends when the 1849 uh, lawsuit challenging our abortion law here, when that decision might come down. Will it lose steam by, if it lands in, say, I don't know, March? Are people still going to be fresh top of mind come November? And is Trump the nominee? Because if Trump is the nominee, you can use the Supreme Court ruling Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. That can't be disassociated from him. He appointed justices who overturned that ruling. So that makes it more real. And oh, by the way, another layer of the presidential politics, if Trump's a nominee, and he looks very strong right now, but we're still not through the primaries and caucuses, so we'll see. But the Republican Accountability Project is starting a new six-figure digital ad um, going after Trump as a dictator, essentially comparing him to a dictator. There is this other layer. So you've got abortion, and you've got uh, authoritarian, this kind of warning of what Trump might do in a second term. I don't know if that's the winning message. I saw an interesting thing this week about Biden and his campaign. They don't want to lean into the Trump um, inflammatory comments too hard right now because there's Trump fatigue. Mm -hmm. If you're ringing the bell from now until June about all these things Trump says, come October, they may be just white noise. So I'll be fast and watch. That's a good strategy. Again, not assuming Trump's going to be the nominee, but he looks pretty strong as we sit here right now. Uh, for Republicans. Very true. And a lot of those ads are going to be airing over the holiday weekend. Yes. I believe it was uh, that dictator ad is going to be airing on the Hallmark Channel yes. and uh, TBS. So if you are a fan of watching Christmas movies, yes. <laughs> you'll see it quite a bit. All right. Our last topic, we got about four minutes left, JR, is about an audit that was released actually last Friday that we would like to highlight. And it's about when Republicans launched one looking into how many uh, state agencies, their workers, are working remotely. And here's what they found. Um, they found that uh, of the 39 agencies under uh, Governor Tony Evers that auditors reviews, 26 of them allowed employees to work from home up to five days a week. The same held true for most of University of Wisconsin institutions. So this, in turn, uh, resulted in Republican lawmakers calling for layoffs at Wisconsin agencies and criticized the remote work policies after this audit really reviewed that they're uh, spending substantially more time at home instead of in their offices. Uh, 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 Senator Eric Wimberger, who co-chairs the legislature's audit committee, said, in quote, the audit shows a massive waste on expensive, unnecessary physical structures. Um, we've heard about many, many Republicans complain about this during the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's still, you've seen a lot of uh, employers kind of move to this remote, uh, yeah. two times in the office, other times at home. It's kind of where the I guess the world is trending a yeah. little bit, but there's still a point that Republicans are trying to make that if you're in the office more, there's more rapport, you can get more things done, ask questions instead of it being over email or Teams or Zoom, et cetera. We saw some Republicans calling for buildings to be sold because of this. Well, Vision 2030 released uh, first time two years ago, revised in March, I think it was, calls for reducing the footprint for state government in downtown Madison by about 27%. There are three buildings downtown they want to sell. Uh, to make that work, though, they want to remodel one of the buildings downtown, move folks into there in a separate building, and then sell off the other two, th three. Uh, two can be torn down and redeveloped, prime real estate downtown Madison. The other one is the historic building that houses the Department of Health Services. Can't tear that one down. Mm -mm. That was the first office building built outside the Capitol in Wisconsin. So somebody's got to come in there and remodel it some way. But I asked Robin Voss 
during our interviews, like, well, do you want to do that? And he pushed back. He wants employees back in the office. So I'm going to be interested to watch where Republicans embrace the idea of spending the money to remodel one building to then close others when they want to bring people back in and get them in the office. I think I thought really, really interesting about this audit. And also, another one we saw recently is about the Department of Safety and Professional Services. Usually in audits, you have the um, audit bureau's report. The agency has a chance to respond in a letter. I'm seeing more pushback from the years administration about the techniques used by the audit bureau. For example, they check key cards with these buildings. I was okay? just going to bring that up. Mm -hmm. Well, one argument is if you get on the elevator with four people and one person uses his or her key card, you're all in the building, but you're not swiped in. They checked workstations in July and August. The administration says, look, that's when people go on vacation. On vacation. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting a great number by doing that. And this really kind of began, um, go back to 2021 with the audit of the election process. Dean Knutson, a Republican appointee in the Elections Commission at the time, said the Audit Bureau basically didn't know what he was talking about, the part of the audit. It's the first time I really saw like somebody kind of question the Audit Bureau's knowledge and its work. I'm seeing more pushback from the Eves administration about these techniques. Um, and that DISPIS audit, Dan Harris, the secretary, said basically, you guys came in and gave us a hard time, or used up our time and delayed implementing a, a new rollout of the electronic system for uh, processing credentials. It's really fascinating to see that, oh, by the way, the Audit Bureau has a response to letters now. They're taking these letters from the agency heads and putting numbers next to like paragraphs and then have an answer. For example, with the DISPIS one again, um, they said, you never mentioned that we were delaying your rollout of this thing until December of 2023 before the report came out. So there's this real tension between the administration and this Audit Bureau about how it's doing things. It's also a reflection of how Republicans are being more aggressive with the Audit Bureau to kind of keep tabs on the Eves administration. I was also going to say there's a lot more audits than mm -hmm. normal, uh, I would say, throughout these legislative sessions, given the fact that I think after now they knew that Evers was going to you know, serve a second term, they wanted to ramp up even more efforts too. And another audit on the docket of January is the one looking into DEI positions across state agencies. All right, well, that will do it for this week, but we want to let you know next week we will have a special show here with our year in review. We'll highlight some of the top political stories and break down what's to come in 2024. That will air on December 26th and looking forward to catching that. If you don't catch it on the show, you can catch it on cable and online. But that will do it for this week's show. I'm Emily Fannin. Happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. I'm J.R. Ross. Take care. This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio. Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association. Bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.